0: It's very good to be with you this morning. I must tell you it's a tremendous privilege to be with you and to be looking at this wonderful gospel of John that you've been studying. Our Lord came into this world to make children of God. We've been seeing that, right? John chapter 1 verse 12. To as many as receive Him and believe on His name, He gave the right to become one. Children of the living God. And that's why He's good. And that's why His mercy is reliable. Endures forever. It's interesting, this idea of children of God and, and the idea of walking with the Lord is a theme. We see going all the way back to Genesis chapter three. The idea of walking with the Lord is a picture of communion, fellowship, agreement. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? He says in Amos. And the idea of walking, we saw in chapter five yesterday, the lame man at at the pool of Bethesda, he's at the house of mercy, but he can't walk. He's lame. <laughs> This is we saw with Mephibosheth earlier this morning. So close and yet so far. and And the Lord gives him the ability to walk. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And that's a picture of what it is to be born again, to have the Lord in your heart, to know Him. And then we saw in chapter 6, in verse 66, just ahead of chapter 7, That many of the disciples, they had been following him for three years, went back and did what? Walked no more with him. I hope, okay, you want to use that one? Thank you, brother. They walked no more with him. You want this one? We got to be flexible. And so, to me, this is enormously sad because these people had heard his teaching. Maybe you're in that kind of position. You've been hearing the gospel for years. You've been exposed to the goodness of God and the word of God. And and maybe you're pulling back. Or maybe you know somebody like that that has has been so close to receiving the Lord Jesus as Savior and then... They give up. And they don't ask the Lord to save them. And and these when they turn. When you go back from Him. <laughs> you're turning your back. On the one that loves you more. Than anyone in this world. <laughs> they walk no more with Him. And so. We come to chapter 7. And our Lord is. Making more outreach. To the nation of Israel. Do you remember we saw in chapters 1 through 12 in that block in the gospel of John beginning in verse 19 of chapter 1 through to the end of chapter 12 he's reaching out to the nation of Israel he's presenting himself as messiah the true messiah prophesied way back in genesis 315 and affirmed in genesis 4910 and affirmed in the davidic covenant in 2nd samuel 7 and so forth all the psalms proclaiming him and here he is he's here and, and there's confusion about his identity. That's what I'm putting as the title for chapter seven. Because now in chapter seven, we're at the Feast of Tabernacles. That's in October in that time frame. So in 29 AD, he would be crucified exactly six months after this at Passover in 30 AD. So we're now, we're, we're six months away from his crucifixion and his resurrection, and his ascension, right? And so half a year left. He spent three years, started in the fall of 26 A.D., and now we're in the fall of 29 A.D. Three years he has patiently proclaimed his identity, demonstrated his power in unspeakable miracles. How much evidence does a person need? Right? I had someone ask me that in another place, in another state. You know, what what's the bare minimum it takes to 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 know that I'm saved? I I'm I've gotten to where I don't answer that question. If you're looking for the bare minimum, you don't want to be saved. <laughs> because if you're saved, you want to give him the maximum. You don't want to give him the bare minimum. You don't know want that's what the Pharisees were like. They were minimalists. They they were legalists and they wanted to just to barely Just give me what a little bit I need to be, know I'm gonna be in heaven and not have to endure judgment. If you love the Lord Jesus, if you know Him and love Him, you want to give Him everything. You want to give Him everything. So I'm dividing this chapter up this way. Counsel verses 1 through 13. His counsel. Conviction verses 14 to 31, the call in verse 32 to 39, and the conclusion in verses 40 to 52. That's how we can kind of think through this chapter. It's a pivotal chapter because chapter 7, the Feast of Tabernacles, this, he's in Jerusalem, and what the events that begin here in chapter 7 go through chapter 8, Include the light of the world discourse in chapter 9 and chapter 10 all the way down to verse 21. And then John in verse 21 of chapter 10 will leap forward a couple of months to Hanukkah, the feast of dedication in December. In between Luke chapter 10 all the way through chapter 13, he'll begin that Perean ministry that Luke talks about in And Luke chapter 10 and 19 will fall into this section. So verse 1 of chapter 7. After these things Jesus walked in Galilee. For he did not want to walk in Judea. Because the Jews sought to do what? To love him? To receive him as Messiah? After three years of testimony? So they're seeking to kill him, and we saw early already that that desire to kill him goes back to John chapter 5, which, as I tried to demonstrate, goes back to the beginning of his ministry. They've been seeking to kill him already for a couple of years, and he's evading them. To me, it's fascinating how the Holy Spirit guides the writers of the Bible. It, The idea of the Lord as being the light of the world is already coming in in the last two verses of chapter 6 where he identifies his betrayer six months before. Now, he's telling Judas what he's about to do, but Judas is still going to do it anyway. Six months later, he says... You're the twelve, yet one of you is a devil. (laughs) One of you is demon-possessed, belongs to the devil. And it was Judas Iscariot. That's in verse 70 and 71 of chapter 6. And then he begins to unfold how he's the light of the world. And as the light of the world, he has perfect understanding, omniscience. He sees into hearts. He knows what you're thinking right now. God does. Jesus does. I don't, but he does. And I love him for it. I'm in awe of Him for it. Now, some of you may have grown up in a family that doesn't love the Lord and you get saved and you're so excited about knowing the Lord and you want to talk about Him in the house and they tell you to be quiet or leave. Don't talk about Jesus around us. And they don't understand you. Well, our Lord Jesus relates to that. He had the same thing in his house. And that's what we see here in the beginning. So the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. Verse 3, his brothers therefore said, do you remember the Bible tells us he had four brothers, Joseph, Simeon, James, and Jude. And James and Jude write two of the letters in the New Testament. And he had at least two sisters. So these are all children that Joseph and Mary had after they had the lord jesus by the virgin birth so his brother said to him depart from here and go into judea he's up there in galilee and they said why don't you go to judea to the festival that your disciples may see the works that you're doing so far it looks like they're really interested in him but then look at the next verse they're mocking him they say for no one does anything in secret While he himself seeks to be known openly, you want to be so known openly. You want to manifest yourself. So why do you want to be in secret? If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Even his own family don't appreciate who he is. Now later, James and Jude at least come to know the Lord after the resurrection. And I'd say that's a miracle. But every one of us who knows the Lord is a miracle. Now, I don't know about the other members of his family. I'd like to think they were. They came to know the Lord. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Can you imagine? I like to think of this. Growing up in a household where your older brother is perfect. I grew up in a household where my older brother thought he was perfect, but, but he wasn't. You may have had one like that too. But... But Jesus, every time you sat at table, he said all the right things. He got up and took his plate and then took your plate and took your sister's plate and began to wash the dishes without his parents even asking. Took the trash out without anybody asking. And all those, got the mop out and began to walk. Well, I admit, for his brothers, that would be, it would be hard. And God was understanding and patient with that. But there came a time where they couldn't keep putting off that decision, see? Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. Good counsel, isn't it? So I'm using that as the verse for his counsel in this section, verses 1 to 13. His counsel is... You know what? Your time for salvation is always now. Today is the day of salvation. Don't keep putting it off. Don't assume you're going to have another opportunity. Because driving around the ring road of this city may be the means of putting you into eternity. And you will spend eternity in the place you leave This building believing in whether you're going to believe the Lord or the world. The world can't save you. The world's religions won't save you. Oh, they'll entertain you. They'll take up a lot of your time and attention. They'll involve you in all kinds of activity, but in the end, you're going to spend eternity in the bad place. I don't want you to go there and God doesn't want you to go there, but you're going to go based on your own choice. It's one of the things that comes out in this chapter. Our Lord is urging a decision from these people. They've had opportunity to understand. Maybe you're in that position. So this would be especially meaningful to you. Your time is always ready, he says to his brothers. The world cannot hate you, he says to them, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. <laughs> Is he uh, misrepresenting the facts of the situation here? Wouldn't you agree with me the world still hates Jesus of Nazareth? It does. And if you don't believe that, Go up here to this street corner or go to a street corner in your community and begin to share the love of Jesus and see what kind of reaction you get. You might get arrested. Even in this so-called Christian country, you might get arrested. The world doesn't want to hear about him. Go up to the UN in New York. On the East River. And walk in the building. And began to say. You know that. Do you all consult Jesus Christ. When you make these. Major decisions. For the nations of the world. Impacting hundreds of thousands. And millions. Do you check with him first. Because he's the great king. Do they do that? They would arrest you. NYPD would be right there on the spot. No he's not consulted. He's not appreciated. And why? Because. He testifies to the world just by coming that its works are evil. And Paul will make the application in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 and following that we who are his children, believers, we also have the same kind of impact on the world as well. We are salt and light wherever he places us and people become uncomfortable About the gospel. So just be aware of that. You're in good company with the Lord Jesus. And that's why we need each other. And why on the Lord's Day we come together. And we can really encourage one another. And get ready for another week. Lord willing in the Lord. Where we can be a testimony for Him. It's a privilege to be a testimony for Him. If you love Him. Isn't it? And we don't do it by ourselves. It's by the Holy Spirit working in us. As we'll see here in a minute. The living water flowing out like a river. (laughs) That's how it happens. You don't have to conjure it up. You can't. I remember dear Dr. Bushra McHale. I got the privilege of doing a few conferences with him. He was a a surgeon, a medical surgeon up in Canada. He's with the Lord now. But I remember he told me, he said, you know, Brother Thomas, he said, "I, I would get ready before the. Surgery, the operation, you go into the prep room before you go into the surgery room. And he goes, went into the prep, and the nurses would be in there and some of the technicians and the anesthesiologists, and they'd be talking and laughing and telling dirty jokes and talking about some movie they saw. And he said, I walk in, and I suddenly it would get quiet. Bush was here. <laughs> he didn't say anything. He didn't rebuke him. He just walked in to wash his hands and get ready for the surgery, and all of a sudden it got quiet was here. Well, that's salt and light. That's what God wants. I hope that happens when you walk into a room and me. That they see a difference. Whereas once I was blind, now I see. I'm alive. I was dead and now I'm alive. I have living water flowing out of me. As we were singing. There's a difference. And I'm glad And so the Lord says, you go on up to the feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast. By the word yet is part of the scripture there. There's a note there, the critical text leaves out the word yet. If you take out the word yet, then he's lying because he is about to go to the feast. Two verses later, I'm not yet going. It's not I'm not going. I am going to the feast, but not yet. My time has not yet fully come. What does that tell us? My father and I in the Holy Spirit put this all together in eternity past, your salvation. And the determination was that it would happen at Passover, not Pentecost, not Tabernacles. We're at the Feast of Tabernacles. It's still six months away to Passover, so not yet. I'm sure he'd long for it to be finished it was going to be a horrible thing to go through but father's timing what does that tell us perfect submission to the plan of god for his life how about you how about me i know we can't do perfect submission i'm with you on that but are you willing to be submitted to god's plan for your life if you are born again christian he has a plan for your life you know He has a plan for how he wants to use you, where he wants to use you, what he's going to do through you. And he planned it long ago, way before you were born, way before you were even conceived. That's an awesome God, isn't it? And when he said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, by the way, going up when you go to Jerusalem, wherever you go from Israel, Jerusalem is on a mountain, a small one. The Mount of Olives is is higher than Jerusalem across to the east. But still, you're always going up. Why? Because God's presence was there. The temple was there. The Shekinah glory was there. And you're always going up. Now, in the new Jerusalem, in the millennium, in the new heavens that's coming and new earth, it's going to be raised up as the highest of the mountains. Sorry, Himalayas. It's going to be higher (laughs) There's going to be a whole change of the topography of this earth during the time of the tribulation. But that's another, that's Zechariah 14. You want to go there? We could go there. (laughs) I love that chapter. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Why? Because he's afraid? No, because he's trying to reach people. Because he cares. And if he goes openly, they're going to try to cause a revolt and arrest him. And they do try to arrest him in this chapter. So the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, he is good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him. Why? Why? Because the Jewish leadership had already put notice out on him. And if you find him, tell us where he is. Not because they want to give him a medal either. And that leads to verse 14, part 2, the conviction. The counsel was, your time is always ready. The conviction, and this is primarily to the religious leaders, none of you keeps it. Gonna talk about the law. See, they were wrestling to the fact, well, we're religious. We have the Mosaic law, we have the temple, we have the sacrifices, and and we keep the law. And Jesus comes right down with the eyes of God and says, Not a one of you keeps it. And he knows because he's the light of the world. (laughs) So let's see how it sets up about the middle of the feast. Jesus went up into the temple and taught just doing what he feels called to do. And the Jews marveled saying, how does this man know letters having never studied? Isn't it amazing how much God knows? (laughs) Be careful in your prayer time when you think you're instructing God about something he doesn't know. Lord, did you know that? (laughs) I know I've done it, too. But I have to remind myself, he knows everything. You, we don't, when he asks a question, it isn't because he needs information from us. It's to draw us out, to make us think. And so they're looking at him they said, Wow, he hasn't been through the school of Shammai or the school of Hillel. Those were the two primary seminaries in Israel in that day. Rabbinical schools where they taught and trained. You know, Paul went through the school of... Hillel under Gamaliel and so forth. We read about that in the book of Acts. He hasn't even studied there. How does he know so much about the Bible? Isn't it amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in a person without having formal training? He can do it through you and me too. He wants to. He can bring back scriptures to mind miraculously. That's why we spend time in the Word of God. That's why we teach our children to memorize and hopefully meditate on what they memorize and hold it in their hearts so that the Holy Spirit can draw it out just at the right time. It's amazing. One of the dynamics of preaching is that I I have kind of a formal skeletal outline that I use but as I'm speaking you know my brain's doing about five or six different things at one time it's looking at you it's looking at your eyes it's determining your response it's looking at the text it's following the images in the room and trying to feel the and the Holy Spirit can draw something out a scripture I haven't thought of for six months or six years (laughs) boom use this and you've had that experience too That's what it is to have living water flowing through you, huh? The Christian life is an adventure, beloved. Don't believe what the world... The world says it's a boring, religious kind of, you know, list of do's and don'ts and everybody's judging everybody. That's not Bible. That's the world. Don't listen to it. The Christian life is really living... You want to really live today? Anybody want to really live today? (laughs) Good. I do too. I'm with you. With you on that. And so the Lord Jesus answers them. Verse 16 and 17. Really important to, to highlight these. My doctrine, my teaching, it's not mine, but his who sent me, which, and who sent him? God did. So whose teaching is our Lord Jesus teaching? God's. He says, my doctrine is not just something. I'm not like Hillel. I'm not like Shammai where I have my own little systematic theology and my own little doctrine. He says, my teaching is God's teaching. So you better listen to it. You better respond to it. He's saying, if anyone wills to do his will, that's a great Combination of words. Anyone wills, small w, to do his will. Capital W, right? If anyone wills, desires to please God, he or she will know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. What he's saying is taste and see that the Lord is good, isn't he? He's saying, if you're not sure about the gospel, you're not sure about Jesus Christ, you're not sure about what you hear from these Christians, just taste it and see. Read and ask tolelege, what what the Spirit told St. Augustine way back in the day. Take up and read and ask God to show you His truth. And He will. He wants you to know. He wants you to know you have life. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. And may it be that we don't just speak from ourselves whenever we have an opportunity to speak for God. You don't draw out from self, you draw out from the Holy Spirit, right? But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. That is authentic. Genuine, reliable, althanas, it's a great word that John likes to use. And no unrighteousness is in him. None. He's not the author of sin. He's not the author of evil because there's no unrighteousness ever in him. John will say in 1 John 1.5, In him is light and in him is no darkness ever at all. It doesn't even enter his mind. If it did, I couldn't trust him. If there was just a speck of darkness in him, I couldn't trust him. I'd be afraid he's using me. <laughs> like people do. We can't trust people like we can trust him. There's a great verse on his holiness right here. No, and this is from the words of the Lord Jesus himself. And then he moves into Moses and this is where the conviction comes. They recognize, man, this, this he knows something about the word here. And he hasn't even been to our schools. And how is it he knows? And, and he says, let me tell you about Moses that you're relying on. You're relying on your study and application, of the Mosaic law, he says. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet, how many of you keeps it? Says God. So you say, well, I'm going to rely on religion. I'm going to rely on my good works. I mean, after all, I give in my community. I'm a good father. I I rode with a man on the airline. I remember I was over near San Francisco at the time, flying back, I think, from the Far East. And I couldn't believe it. He's the closest one to holiness I've ever met that didn't know the Lord. And he was sincere. He was honest. He was sitting next to me in the plane. We struck up a conversation and maybe I had my Bible out. I don't know. We got to talking. And he, he, he was a great husband. He was a great father. He worked well. He had a good reputation at work. He was involved in his community. He considered the poor. He was telling me all these things. And I'm like, wow. But you know what? He's still in Adam <laughs> and all, all who are in Adam will die. So even if he was perfect, I know better, because the Bible says no one is perfect and none of you keeps the law. But even if he was, he'd still go to hell for eternity because he was born in Adam. And he needs to be born Thank you. A second time. A new birth. Do you have it, by the way? Because if you are born again, you know it. There's a difference between life and death. If I put a cadaver... You know, that's a dead body, right? I had somebody... What is a cadaver? If I put a cadaver up here... And I sat and next to these people here. We'd be able to tell the difference, right? You know, you're breathing. There's life in your eyes and your face. You look at it, Get up. Do some push-ups. Say something. Don't just sit. Dead. Can't. That's a picture of what we are trapped in sin. Can't save yourself. You can look at yourself in the mirror and holler at yourself. Or you can do like. Christian science people say, Hannah Whitehall-Smith look in the mirror and say, every day in every way you're getting better and better, but you're not. Better face the facts. None of you keeps the law. The people said, you have a demon. Who's seeking to kill you? Immediately they're going to call him. Now they're saying God is demon-possessed. You see how low man's religion can go? These were people that had the Old Testament for two thousand years. 2000 B.C. back to Abraham. Don't think this can't happen in the church. I think it will before we get to the rapture. We're already seeing it happening. In a Christian country so-called where assemblymen stand up and give a standing ovation for killing babies after they're born. They've been killing babies before. They were born for years. But now they're killing them and they're giving a standing ovation. Aren't we delivered? Aren't we great? Open your eyes. See where you live. See what's around you, my friends. None of you keeps it. He says in verse 21, I did one work and you all marvel. He's talking about the healing of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Just inside St. Stephen's Gate, the Sheep Gate. He did that great miracle, like I say, you can go there, the Church of St. Anne is there, one of the great acoustical, natural stone-building acoustical churches. You sing, you don't need one of these, and it just the acoustics are perfect in there, how they built it. And the church is right outside this place. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers, right? Because circumcision existed before the Mosaic Law and he says you circumcise a man on the sabbath they were to according to the law you're to circumcise the male child on the eighth day after they're born well what if that happens on the sabbath danny what are we going to do we're going to have to wait till the next day to the ninth day what are we going to do well no 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 we're going to violate the sabbath for a higher principle and yet they're accusing him of making a whole person whole on the Sabbath you see the hypocrisy you see what he's doing he's exposing that's what the light does it comes in the hypocrisy they said we, we guard protected the Sabbath and, and we don't do any work on the Sabbath we don't even carry a pallet on the Sabbath like that is really work but that's what they were trying to say because the man was carrying his pallet you know. He I did one work and you're marveling and you can't get past it. You would circumcise somebody on the Sabbath, but then you want to accuse. You want to kill me, he says. In the summary, verse 24, when you come to make your assessments. When you come to make your judgments. When you come to use discernment. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with what? Oh, and where are you going to find righteous judgment? That's why we got to be in the Word, to be able to make righteous judgments, assessments, and decisions in the various circumstances of life. That's what we mean by applying the Scripture that we learn. We're not just trying to build up a bunch of head knowledge. We want to learn how we can use it this week. And, beloved, you're going to get opportunities to use chapter 7 of John this week, because I've already been praying that. And some of else, others of you have been doing that, too. Look for the opportunity. <laughs> but beware... Alright, right? We're not running for office. We're pleasing our Lord and Master. Now, some of them from Jerusalem said in verse 25, and here we see the confusion. Is this not he whom they seek to kill? So these were from Jerusalem. They're admitting. But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? The Messiah, however, we know that this man is from, but we don't know, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is no one knows I've never read Micah five two <laughs> when Messiah comes, he'll be born in Bethlehem. thank you, God. but that was part of the the difficulty the Lord see. Made it challenging for him because he was born in Bethlehem. But then he remember he went to Egypt and then ended up in Nazareth. So they're thinking he was born in Nazareth because he was raised in Nazareth. I had some of you ask me this week. So are you a Texan? No, but well, you've been lived almost your whole. No, but I was born in Massachusetts, but I was two years old when I came to Texas. So I'm not really a Texan by Texans definition. And he wasn't from Nazareth. He's from Bethlehem, but they missed out on. That part. I don't know if they did that willingly or by ignorance, but it can happen. And Jesus cried out, He taught in the temple, you both know me and you know where I'm from. I have not come of myself, but He who sent me is true. There's that word again, authentic, genuine, reliable, whom you do not know. And now He's moved in. They don't know God. They have the Old Testament. They've memorized scripture. They have the temple, the priesthood, the sacrifices. But they don't know God. According to God. That's a terrible ignorance, isn't it? Someone says, well, I, I, I was brought up in church. I, I, I was in church my whole life. Always sat in the pew, was involved in BBS when I was a kid. Went to camp, put my stick in the fire, did all. That doesn't mean you're saved. What have you done with Jesus. Are you born again? And do you know it? And don't play around with that decision because it's going to affect your eternity. And many of the people believed in him, verse 31, and when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than this man's done? More miracles? And see, they're working it through. And that's why I'm saying there's confusion here. And maybe some person you're going to get to share with this week is confused about the identity of Jesus. Who really is he? And that leads us to part three, verse 32 to 39. The call begins with the Pharisees. They heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests, what are they going to do? They're going to send officers, guards to arrest him. Oh, they're going to flex their muscles, see. They're going to arrest God. And Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer and then I go to him who sent me. What a picture. But you see, he's expressing to them the urgency now. You've had three years to play around with these things. See, there's a time, God gives us a window of time, but eventually he calls us to a decision because we've been made in the image and likeness of God and God is one who makes decision. He's also relational. I love that about him and so he we have the privilege of making decisions and choices and guess what we're going to be responsible for our choices i'm not responsible for your choices your parents aren't responsible for your choices your coaches aren't responsible for your choice you are and you'll spend eternity because of decisions you make with regard to the Lord Jesus. You won't be able to blame anybody but yourself. And that's part of the horror and terror of living in darkness and remembering how many opportunities you had to come to the Lord like on April 14, 2019, and you didn't come. You'll forever be thinking about that. And you'll be in torment day and night. That's part... Of the gospel. You will seek me. And not find me. And where I am you cannot come. See six months before the cross. Our Lord is already making a judgment. On the ones that are about to kill him. Because remember the religious leaders. That's who was identified in verse 32. He said you're going to seek me. And you're not going to find me. The doors closed. The door of opportunity for them closed. Six months before the event. <laughs> God can do that because he knows all things. Is that solemn to you? It sure is to me. It, it, there's just like a hush. Almost a cold wind blows through my soul when I think about that, about a person that I know and care about. And... Now, we don't know when the door closes, by the way. Don't assume that with anybody because we can't see into their hearts. Only God can. But there are some cases in the years I've been walking with the Lord where it seemed that happened. And it's still like that. These people I'm thinking about, I mean, they, they, they were in the, they, he was a youth group leader and now he's a Buddhist. And I remember asking him at a Wendy's way back in the 1980s, are you really saved? And his answer wasn't yes. His answer was, why are you always asking me that? (laughs) Well, because I care about your soul. That's why. I didn't know he was going to leave everything and chuck it all and go to Buddhism. But he did. Now he won't talk to me. He was a youth group leader. So it can happen to anybody. Don't pretend when it comes to these things. And so they debate about what he means by that. And that brings us to verse 37. I know you were trying to get to this verse all along because it's such an encouragement. It's such a verse of hope. On the last day of the feast, remember, he started in the middle of the feast in verse 14. Verse 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast. Remember how they celebrated. The, it was a whole week. They celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. By the way, I'm going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles too. When the Lord Jesus comes back, I know I'm going to be in the new Jerusalem in heaven with you, but I want to be down here on earth at the millennial temple when we celebrate tabernacles because in Zechariah 14, we know that the whole earth is going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles every year. I can't wait. And I'm going to walk through that temple and I'm going to enter through the northern door and go out the southern door because you leave out a different door than you come in by design. That's what he wants for his people, but he also wants this. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, "If most people thirst, it's all inclusive. He's opening the door. If anyone thirsts, he thirsty for life, for God." for knowing for sure where you're going to spend eternity. Are you thirsty today? He says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And this reflects back to a great statement in the book of Isaiah in chapter 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters and you will have no and even you who have no money. Come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk, without money, without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Isaiah fifty five. Right at the end of that great section of Isaiah that begins in chapter forty and concludes with chapter fifty-five. Chapter fifty three is in it, right? That's why he's able to open the doors wide and say, not only the Jews are going to be saved in chapter 54, but then he opens it wide to all nations. Anyone who wants to come, come. Come now and drink. And that's what's in the background here in this statement of our Lord in John 7. He who believe, look at the promise associated with those who believe in him, verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart, his inner being will flow what? Rivers of living water. You remember what he said to the woman at the well back in chapter four? He says, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him what? a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. After I was saved, I I put away surfing. Surfing was a big part of my life before I was saved, but it was with people that sometimes and lifestyles. And But after I'd been in the assembly for a few years, some of the young people wanted to learn how to surf. And so it was fun to use that talent. For the for the Lord and teach them to surf. And we started Living Water Surf Club. From this verse. That was their idea. I thought it was neat. Drew up t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. You know like young people have that energy to do. Living Water Surf Club. And everywhere we went. I had a cross on the bottom of my board anyway. So when you're sitting in the water. Everybody around you is staring right at that cross. But be a testimony. Let the water flow Out. Paul says in Ephesians 5, what it is to be filled with the Spirit. I used to think of it as a young Christian. It was like a glass, you know, or a pitcher. You know, you get filled, being filled with the Spirit. Eventually you get to the top. You say, man, I've arrived. I can put it in neutral and coast, right? Because I filled up the pitcher. But that isn't the picture. The picture is a pipe. A brother told me, no, it's not a pitcher. It's a pipe. And water goes in here so it can go out here in blessing to others. And if it's not going out this side of the pipe, it's not coming in this side. A channel of blessing. That's God's design for His people. Now is that not awesome? It's His design, not mine or yours. He wants to, you and me, wherever we are, to be a channel of blessing to others. And in the, and in the process of doing that, you're giving glory to Him who made you the channel in the first place. Not of anything I've done, it's all of Him. You want your life to count for something? He'll say it in chapter 21. Peter, do you love me more than these? you want your life to count for something? Or do you want to just keep playing around and playing religion? It's up to you and me. Be filled with the Spirit. And you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's real. There's a whole section of the New Testament dealing with Holy Spirit ministry, Right? And let me say this by way of say warning maybe. We have to, we have to admit that some of us, not all of us, but some of us have overreacted to Pentecostalism and extremes of the charismatic movement to the point we're grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, right? We say, well, we don't want to be doing these things that are out of control and ecstatic, so we're going to quench and, and almost ignore the fact we have the Holy Spirit and suppress him to down. don't do that you're not going to be fulfilled doing that stay with what the word of God tells us we don't want to do something that's unscriptural but it's unscriptural not to let the river of living water flow out of you too isn't it this he said concerning the Spirit whom those believing Him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And in Acts chapter 2, we read about the beginning of the church when the Holy Spirit was giving And woo, <laughs> We've been barnstorming ever since. Right, Roger? Ever since we've been barnstorming for the Lord with the power of the Spirit being a testimony. Life-giving testimony for him, and so what's the conclusion? Well, you remember when they said they're going to send those guards, those officers, to arrest him—the chief priests and Pharisees. We've got this figured out. We've got it all under control. We'll send our guards to arrest him. Well, what happened to those guards? Well, verse forty-five. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, "Why have you not brought him?" Verse forty-six. Here's the conclusion. Do you agree with the officers? Well, we we went to arrest him, but we were standing around listening to him, and no man ever spoke like this man does. All we had to do is hear him, and, and it, he's incomparable. The Spirit of God is flowing out of him like a living river of water, and we recognize that, and we're going to go arrest him. We were scared to death to arrest him. Nobody ever spoke like Him. Beloved, when you read the Word of God, hopefully daily, does it touch your heart like that? Nobody ever spoke like Him. (laughs) There's no one on this planet like Him. Jesus. Don't let anybody else take that throne in your heart but Him. For me to live is Christ. I hope that's true for you. I hope it's true for me. To die is gain. It's a whole new outlook. It's a whole new perspective. He wants that for you, 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 every one of us, everyone in this room. Do you want it? Do I want it? So, Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your scriptures. We thank you for the person of the Lord Jesus and what we learned about here in John chapter 7. We're thankful for every soul, every person that's here this morning. And we pray even from the wee youngest of them, they can hear and understand a lot more than we realize to the oldest that the word of God would be quickened by the Holy Spirit into the hearts of each one. We would be honest before you Admit where we are right now today before you, if changes need to be made, that we would make them, that you would empower us to make them. And if there's someone here that maybe they've heard this business about Jesus Christ and this gospel thing, and, and they've wondered about the Bible, but they haven't come to the place of seeing that they're sinners before a holy God and they're going to spend eternity in judgment if they don't receive Jesus Christ his only gift of life touch their hearts with that truth the fact of how much you love them and if they need to talk to someone after the meeting any of us are available who know the Lord I'd be happy to talk to them Lord may your name be magnified in our bodies that was Paul's prayer for himself and for the Philippians. And may that be true as we go out. Take us home safely to where we're going. We thank you for your goodness. You are good and you always do good. Even when we can't see it in the darkness sometimes. And we thank you in the Lord Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen.